Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Well, friends, today we're on to part three of living with a question mark. Now, today's question is, what do I do when my life doesn't feel blessed? Now, maybe it's a part of our cultural conditioning in the West, and maybe it's in part due to the fact that we listen to way too many prosperity preachers. But I'd guarantee if I was to ask a group of Christians what a blessed life looks like, I would suggest that the vast majority of answers would all be to do with uh, material comfort and predictability. I want my life to be comfortable and I want my life to be predictable. Uh, Simply put, I want to be healthy and wealthy. And friends, we way too easily make the mistake of equating God's blessing with health and wealth. And I say it's a mistake because it is a mistake. Sadly, for many Christians, the thinking is that a blessed life is all about receiving the things that produce comfort and predictability. Now, let me say at times it is true that God does bless us with health and wealth, but they are not the key indicators of a blessed life. If we make them the key indicators, then we will always wrongly begin to judge others or to even judge our own circumstances when we face financial trouble or a health issue. More than that, if health and wealth are the key indicators of a blessed life, then every single Australian needs to stop praying that we would be blessed and start thanking God that we are blessed. Now, here's some stats to support that comment today. And this might mess with our heads a little bit. On the world's list of life expectancy, uh, averaged across both sexes, Australia has an average life expectancy of 82.8 years. We're number four behind Japan, Switzerland and Singapore, 82 years. And across those four nations, there is less than a year that separates them. So friends, if health is a key indicator of blessing, we are blessed. The bottom three, uh, Central African Republic, uh, Lesotho, Swaziland, all got an average life expectancy of 49 years. Now, I don't know what those guys have done to offend God, but it must have been something big. And of course, I'm joking. If wealth is a sign of God's blessing, again, we are blessed. Whilst almost half of the world's population uh, are surviving on less than $2 a day, on the list of the highest global average of wealth per adult, Australia is number two, just below Switzerland. The US comes in at number three. So my point is, if health and wealth are key indicators of God's blessing, friends, we are blessed. And yet on the list of countries that are the most Christian per capita, You can't even find Australia on a single list anywhere in the top 100. 
But again, if health and wealth are key indicators of God's blessing, uh, let me stretch your, your thinking a little bit further uh, by giving you the top 10 countries of the highest percentage of Christians. And I'll, I'll read these out and, and let's see if you think that in this list of the most Christian countries by percentage of population, any of these even begin to make the list of the greatest wealth or the longest life expectancy. And here they are, uh, Nicaragua, Romania, Malta, Guam, Micronesia, Honduras, Paraguay, Guatemala, and a little closer to home, Papua New Guinea. And hopefully you're getting my point today. Why am I laboring this particular point? Well, friends, the simple reality is uh, for some 2020 and 2021, were years we would rather forget. But it may be that for some of us, 2022 is not gonna be any better. In fact, for some of us, it is gonna be filled with some challenges and problems that aren't even on the radar yet. And what you need to know from me as your pastor is that I will never ever judge your relationship with God based on the unexpected challenges that you might suddenly find yourself facing. I do not subscribe to the thinking that health and wealth equate with God's favour and that ill health and poverty are the result of you somehow grieving God. So now that we've got all of that out of the way, let's unpack this a little bit further. Here's a question. Um, is God's desire, His primary desire for your life and my life, is that we would be more blessed or that we would be more mature? Paul writes this, 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flowed over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we actually felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us. On Him, we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now friends, here's a question many people ask. The question is, why do bad things happen to good people? And there's no question, every single person viewing this today uh, have gone through at some point in their life, tough times. Maybe you're facing those tough times now. Maybe the question that we need to be asking is not why do bad things happen to good people, but rather perhaps we need to begin to ask the question, well, what do I do now that these bad things have happened. Not why do they happen, but how do I cope when they do happen? Because friends, like it or not, they do happen. 
Now today it's not my intention at all, please don't read into this, that I'm somehow trying to make light of the very real struggles and difficulties that you are going through. What I do hope to do is help you gain a perspective that helps you not focus on the problem, but perhaps focus on what God is doing in the midst of the problem. To know, friends, that God saw this coming, that God has the resources not just to resolve this, but to somehow see him in the midst of this trial while you are waiting for the light at the end of the tunnel to get a little bit closer and a little bit brighter. You see, friends, God is interested in resolving your trials and difficulties, but he's just as interested in redeeming your current situation, whatever that situation might look like. Uh, not just kind of wasting time, praying it away and waiting for it to be resolved, but saying in the meantime, okay, God, what are you teaching me? How are you growing me? And how will this be used in the future to glorify you and to strengthen others? And as Paul writes this passage, he acknowledges that there are troubles, there are trials. He knows that these are a part of life. But he also recognises that these same trials can be the means by which we come to know God in a deeper way. That's a huge part of his message right here. And in the spaces, uh, space of a few verses, Paul talks about things like uh, trouble and suffering and distress. Uh, he talks about hardship and pressure and despair. He mentions the sentence of death, deadly peril. And Paul is saying this as an apostle of Jesus. He's saying this as someone totally, solely devoted to Jesus and to the work of the gospel. He is saying this as one who lives his life 100% for the glory of God and for the establishment of his kingdom. And he says, guys, I want you to know that in my life, I have experienced troubles and sufferings and distress and, and, and hardship and pressure and despair. He says, I've felt, you know, like the sentence of death. I've experienced deadly peril. And, and he sums it up probably by saying, guys, that's life. And friends, let me say, if we question ourselves or question God every time something goes wrong because we have lived with some kind of false expectation that bad things should never happen to a Christian, then we are going to be confused and disappointed and angry and disillusioned. But above all else, we are actually going to be in error. Paul says, this stuff happens. But then he says, you need to know something else as well. It is actually in the midst of these trials and hardships and difficulties that I actually meet with God in a way that I never could if the sky was always blue and the grass was always green. And here's the encouraging thing. It's not just the physical stuff, not just the external stuff. It's also the internal emotional stuff. 2 Corinthians 7 and 5. For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. So he says, we have these outward battles against us, but we also have these inward struggles, fear on the inside. And he doesn't say that these were errors. He doesn't say, I shouldn't have been afraid, which plays beautifully into what we've looked at the last two weeks. He says, no guys, this is life. 
He says, this is life, these conflicts on the outside and these fears on the inside. But rather than be embarrassed about them, rather than try and somehow be apologetic for them, he actually does the exact opposite. In chapter 12 and 9, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, you and I, we've got to get a hold of this. He says, I delight in these things that you see as enemies. He says, I've actually discovered that weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and difficulties have actually, with hindsight, been my friends because those things uh, are, are the things that have enabled me to experience God in ways that I never did when everything was easy and comfortable. It's a great perspective. So friends, how do we make Paul's perspective a reality for us? Well, a part of the key is two simple words that Paul employs, so that. And he he mentions it three times in this passage. In verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Listen to this. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And friends, this is the whole point here. Paul tells us and shows us how God redeems our suffering. He says we've experienced God comforting us in our troubles so that these things have become a means whereby I can minister to and encourage others. But this requires a huge shift in our thinking. Because friends, in Jesus, we're not called to live from the perspective of what is best for me. We've got to shift our thinking from what's best for me to the question, how does this equip me to benefit others? And you'll begin to see a theme through all of these interviews that we're doing in this series, how God redeems these things. Because we instinctively live with this sense of what's best for me because we have an instinct of self-preservation, which is, it's all natural and good. But what Paul talks about here is that, no, it's not just about me. Friends, listen carefully. If my life is just about me, I will never understand the role of suffering in my life. A couple of years ago, someone I knew was struck down with an illness. We prayed at length for some time for God's healing. And I said one day, I thought to encourage them, listen, we don't just look to God through this, but whilst we wait upon Him for the way out, we must ask ourselves, what is God showing us in this? How is God using this? And the response sadly surprised me a little bit. They said, I don't accept that because the only purpose this serves is to make my life miserable. And friends, let me say directly, they are in error. And their error is, they do not have a perspective beyond themselves. Because friends, when I do suffer, whatever the suffering is, whether I've been hurt in some way, whether I've been in some kind of trouble, whether I feel trapped by something that's controlling my life, if it's all about me, my instinct will be to fight my way out, or if you're Christian, to to pray your way out or to believe your way out. 
But when we can shift our thinking and realize that as Paul says in verse four, and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. And friends, here's my encouragement. If we can focus on God in the midst of difficulty, then we can begin to, to, to see it completely differently as we deal with the struggles. It also equips us to be a source of blessing to other people. And that's one of the great privileges of life. The great, great privileges of life is, is to enrich other people. And friends, looking after me first has nothing to do with the Christian life in the New Testament. Friends, if we can change our perspective on the challenges and the issues of life, we will see that not only can God use them, not only can we be a source of blessing and comfort to one another, but the suffering in and of itself can produce a harvest of righteousness in us. You know, I learned really, really early on when Kerry and I planted this church that I had a lot of growing to do and I still do. But one of the things that I learned is that I am never to assume that all my trials and difficulties all have a negative source and negative consequences. Yes, it's true. I can go through tough times because of my own poor choices and decisions. Our own poor choices and decisions can come to, back to bite us in a big way. And it's also true that the devil himself can bring an attack against you and the source of a trial can be satanic. But let me say, as a leader, I've learned that it's not a negative thing, but it's a positive thing if the devil is attacking me because it means I must actually be doing something right for me to have the devil's attention. But then there's also a third source of trials and difficulties, and they are the things that God himself allows to grow me and to discipline me. And I used to regularly employ a prayer, and I suppose I still do, that says, well, God, if this particular pressure or problem is an attack, if it's a meaningless distraction, please take it away. But if this is going to grow me and make me stronger as a person and make me a better leader, bring it on. Most of the time, God brings it on. And I know this might mess with our heads, but it's a wrong position to hold in the face of trials to make the assumption that the only cause of pain and difficulties and problems is either my own sin and foolishness or the devil. Friends, it might actually be that God is front and center in the trial that you're facing and that he's gonna bring something beautiful out of it that maybe you will only ever realize with hindsight. In John chapter nine, the disciples came to Jesus with a question. Verse one, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And Jesus went on to heal him. And from that day on, the work of God was on show for the whole world to see and for you and I to still be talking about it 2,000 years later. But for this guy, all through his childhood into adulthood, this man carried a handicap. He may have been bitter, questioned, under condemnation. He couldn't work out what was going on. He realized I'm a burden to others. I'm a liability to my family. And all of that was allowed by God for this encounter with Jesus. And what he had no idea of is that he would be an object lesson in the world uh, and, and for, for centuries uh, for God to impact 
countless generations, billions of people for thousands of years had no recollection, no realize, uh, no understanding of that. Friends, let me say, finally, final point, sometimes in life, stuff just happens. We live in a fragile, fallen world, and sometimes things just happen. We are subject to the brokenness of creation. Sometimes stuff just happens. Luke 13 and 1. Just at that time, there arrived some people who informed Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he replied by saying to them, do you think that these Galileans were greater sinners than all the other Galileans because they have suffered in this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, change your mind for the better and hardly amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, you will all likewise, likewise perished and be lost eternally. All those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were more guilty offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, change your mind for the better and hardly amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, you will all likewise perish and be lost eternally. And Jesus makes an important and a good point uh, from a right perspective. And friends, God has a higher concern for you uh, and he has a higher concern for me uh, than for us to try and work out how and why everything in life happens. And this morning, we need to begin to shift our perspective on our hardships. Yes, we look to God for a way through them. But yes, we also look for God's purpose in them. And friends, in regards to a blessed life, we are blessed. Let us give God thanks and let us pray together. And Father, I just want to pray for those. Uh, maybe there are things that have come to mind as we've been sharing this morning. Uh, things that represent our pain, our suffering, our anxieties, our difficulties, our problems. And Father, in, in a moment right now, we just bring those things to God and say, Lord, here it is. Here's my pain. Here's my struggle. Here's my heartache. And Father, I might not see a purpose in that right now, but I trust God that you can redeem this. Give me a right perspective on the, on the challenges of life. And, and Father, we give these things to you. Father, you know everything about us. You know the things that occupy our hearts, our thoughts, our emotions. Father, we give those things to you. Nothing is too difficult for you to conquer. Nothing is too difficult for you uh, to bring us through and nothing is impossible for you to redeem. May every circumstance in our life be redeemed for your glory and also to equip us to be that source of blessing to others. Father, help us understand this lesson today. It may be difficult, but it is necessary. Help us shift our perspective on our own sufferings and trials and recognize in every way, Lord, we are blessed and we are blessed to be a blessing. Make this real for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.